doing, folks? Another week here on the Inside Inside Sales Show. Daryl Burrell here. I am so thrilled that you came to join me today. I got a question for you. Where are you right now? Are you sitting at your desk watching this stream on your favorite video player? Are you in the car? Are you running? Are you jogging? Are you are you just, you know, out and about? Maybe you're grocery shopping. You're listening to the Inside Inside Sales Show. I always find that so interesting how we as consumers of information never seem to turn off and we take that information with us everywhere. I admit to having a slight addiction to information, to news, to research. It drives my wife absolutely bonkers. I will spend hours and hours researching the latest tool, product, process, person, technique, fad, just to have all the facts and information. Now, the upside of that is I get lots of compliments. People always say, you you always seem to be in the know what's going on. And that allows me to have lots of conversations with lots of different prospects and lots of different industries and lots of different roles and not sound like a complete and utter moron. Maybe a slight moron, but not an utter moron. That's the upside. The downside of that, of course, is that I can find it to be overwhelming. Overwhelming, confusing, um, conflicting, especially if you get lots of different information. And, uh, and this is the challenge we live. And this is the challenge we live as whether you're a marketer or you're a salesperson. I mean, I, I often think, you know, the biggest challenge I've ever had writing an email, for example, or creating a web page or a landing page or maybe a direct mail piece is I want to say everything. I want to give them every fact and figure and, and situation. I want them to be informed but the reality is, if I do that, I know they tune out and they turn off and they move on to the next gig that is more entertaining. And I've lost that visitor. I got them. I had their attention. Now it's gone. But if I don't tell them everything and they ultimately buy my stuff, they're going to come back to me later on and say, well, I thought I did this or I thought I did that. And I said, no, we told you it didn't. But you were overwhelmed and you weren't listening. What's the right mix? Anybody who's ever tried to explain technology to an elder relative who didn't perhaps grow up in the age of technology understands how their eyes just glass over when they talk about the internets and the Facebook and everything else. So there's a recurring theme you'll see here that as a salesperson, you have to manage. You have to manage. And that is the whole concept that we have the ability to overload our target audience, our prospects with too much information. Now, sometimes that's us doing it. We just rattle off, you know, TLCs. Uh, I'm sorry, TLAs, TLCs. I don't know. That's a television channel, but TLAs, three letter acronyms and, 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 uh, and buzzwords and slang, like you wouldn't believe. And we just assume everybody knows what we're talking about. And often they don't. Cannot tell you how many times I've had people say to me, what's an MQL? What's an SQL? Well, it's a marketing qualified lead. That's a sales qualified lead. You don't know what those mean. Okay. I need to dumb it down. I'm going to step back further. Right. Um, and we are so familiar with this information. It's so innate to us that we don't even realize we're doing it. How many deals have you lost? simply because you overwhelmed your, your, your prospect with too much information. Well, that's a real, real risk. And we don't even realize we're doing it, right? 
let me ask you this. Do you ever kind of do a discovery and demo on the same meeting? And really what it means is you're just doing the discovery as a cursory thing because your sales manager says you need to do that. You just want to get into the demo. You can go features and functions and away you go and all this great stuff and five, nine availability and everything else. It's crazy. Yeah. You just want to do it because that's your style. But you have to understand that how you learn, how you process information, it's not necessarily how your buyer processes information. So what do you do? I mean, there's lots of different techniques out there, schools of communication. There's, you know, there's different kind of, you know, identifying how they are, Myers-Briggs, Enneagrams, et cetera. You can adapt your style to that. But that's just how people are consumed data. All right. It goes back to how much can they consume and how much is too much and how much is not enough. Information overload. So imagine my interest when I, my, my good friend, Deb Calvert, says to me, Daryl, I want to talk to you about information overload. I've been doing some, some research and some work with some universities, and this is a real pandemic, if you will. Excuse the pun. Uh, and I'm like, yes, because I experienced it. So why Deb Calvert? Well, as you may recall, last episode, I, I shared with you all that I wanted to highlight a number of people. I wanted to highlight at least four to five people who I thought have made a profound impact in this industry. And it may be somebody that you're just not familiar with. You know, it may, it may not be someone who's posting 14 times a day in social media and speaks at every sales kickoff and speaks at every single function. And it's just the go-to person that never says no to a speaking opportunity. Because why? Because they're busy actually changing lives and impacting business. These are people whom I value. These are the people who I look at and I, and I am so grateful that they've had the chance to change me and my professional outlook and my techniques and my knowledge. And they've shaped me to the person I am today. These are people I value. I want to bring to you the people that I think just need the lights shone on them a little bit bigger and a little bit brighter because they are changing the world. That's Deb Calvert. You probably didn't know. She was one of the people behind the Sales Experts channel. It was the number one uh, sales resource, if you will, on Bright Talk. The number one channel. But it doesn't say the Deb Calvert channel. It's the sales experts channel. She's behind the scenes, pulling it all together. That's what Deb is like. So, Deb, welcome to the show, my friend. I'm so glad you're here. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm, I'm touched by uh, your introduction. And I'm really honored to be on Inside, Inside Sales. How'd I do? <laughs> <laughs> she's now officially part of the club, folks, because she said it right. I like that. Um. Talk to me about what you're doing on the information side and what was the catalyst behind this whole topic? Because it is so true. When you brought it up, I, I just started giggling because I'm like, yes, and we've never talked about this before. And it's so real. It is. And it's everywhere. And it's all the time. So much so that it just feels like our normal, natural have to state of being. But it's not. Hey, let me hit you with um, a fun fact before we dive in. So uh, a guessing game. Everybody at home should play along. So in an average day, typical day, how many messages do you think you're exposed to? That includes billboards that you drive by. It includes things that you see on screen. It includes background noise, people talking. How many messages per day do you think you're exposed to? 
Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm going to do some simple math here. So one hour, I probably see, you know, maybe a dozen messages or more. So we'll say 25 will double it. So on an eight hour day, I'll be 200. Is my math right? So I'm going to go crazy with outside life. I'm going to say 300. If I'm really, really wrong, I apologize. Yeah. No, your guess is very close to most people's guesses, but the actual number is 10,000. 10,000 things that, that are coming to you. I mean, you can't possibly remember or even process all of them. So you don't. <laughs> Cognitive overload is real. And now this is all exacerbated because of the increased volume of, of screen time. We're working at home and we're never off a device, right? You, standing in line, you still got this one or something similar. And so I, this is not just information overload. This is the age of infobesity. Right? We are we are sick with all this information that we're trying to consume, and it's not good for us. And our buyers are just like us, right? You, you can empathize with this, but if you put yourself into your buyer's shoes and think just for a moment, like, what, what does this look like? What does this feel like? Well, it's easy. You've been a buyer too. Buyers are overwhelmed, completely overwhelmed by the number of choices and by the sheer volume of information and that's information, not just from you, but from other online sources, from your competitors. So now that information is conflicting, it's complex, it's confusing. And that's on top of the other 9,990, whatever other messages they're trying to process that day. So their coping mechanism, their coping mechanism to try to deal with all this information is to commoditize, right? to strip it down, to something that they can wrap their head around. That's so often why they're making price-based decisions that aren't always good decisions. And it's why they ghost you after they gather the bare minimum of information because they can't, like not won't, but can't take in any more. So that's the problem. So if I'm a sales rep, what would be some classic habits that I might be doing that are... I guess, working against my successfully achieving my goal of signing up a new customer. Am I giving them too much information? Am I not pacing myself? Am I like a fire hose? Just, I, finally, they return my phone call, and I just want to go, blah, as much as possible, hoping something sticks against the wall. Um, or is it the opposite? That, and I've seen this happen too, where in our desire sometimes to parcel out the information so we can deal with it one issue at a time, one objection at a time, one, one requirement at a time, that we don't get to certain elements and then we lose the deal and we realize it's, we, we lost the deal because they thought we didn't do something. When we do, it just didn't come up. Yeah. Well, the problem is all of the above. You can make a mistake on either end of that continuum, not enough, not the right information at the right time or too much all at once. What those two extremes have in common is that you are thinking of yourself, that the seller is thinking of themselves in the wrong way. They're thinking of themselves as purveyors of information. We're, we're pacing and trying to figure out how to tell and how much to tell. And telling is not the way to handle this. Telling only adds more information or frustrates the buyer because they can't sort it out because of how much you have or haven't given. So instead of telling, what we need to be doing in selling is sense-making. 
And sense-making, if you've not ever heard that word before, it's been researched for 20, 30 years, something like that, at least in academic circles. And sense-making is different from telling because, you know, people already are exposed to an awful lot of information. They don't need someone to tell them the same thing or the different thing or why they think this is the more relevant thing. What they need, what we all want, is just for someone to help us make sense of it all. Someone who will empathize with us and understand that we are overloaded and we can only take in so much and understand so much. So where we go wrong in selling, Daryl, is we do know an awful lot and we are proud of what we're selling and we know that the value of our products is something that if the customer could just hear it, they'd understand it too. So our, our enthusiasm can carry us away. And we don't get to that place where we're really a, a true resource who's making sense of it all. Okay. So as I'm listening to you talk, so I have a few things going through my mind and I'm just going to whip it off and you can ignore what I'm saying and carry on and educate me and the audience and what we need to do to be sense makers. Um, Cause most people ignore me anyway, Deb, I'm just, you know, I'm just that guy. Um, but here's, I'm listening to you. I'm going, okay. So immediately two things come to mind. One is the importance of the discovery or qualification aspect of the sales process so that we can filter out what are their high priorities. Because I'm going to assume that most people who want to make sense, the buyer wants to make sense of their challenge and their solution are trying to resolve a handful of really salient issues, just a handful of salient issues that are most important to them. So if we don't do discovery correctly, if we rush discovery, even my opening little monologue, I talked about how many people combine discovery with demo when they really just do discovery because they, they want to, they really want to get to the demo. The importance of discovery is to find out what matters is you most to that prospect, but it is a bit of an art. Most people don't understand how to do it. That's the first part that went through my mind. The second part that went through my mind, and this is just timing, you know, uh, for the audience who li listens regularly, we know we had Lee Saltz on recently. He's in a new book called Sell Different. And I actually shared chapter 12 of his book, which you should go buy. And his book talks about one of the most important things that most reps don't do. And it was so funny because and here I am name dropping. I'm not trying to name drop again. We got, yeah, we got Lee. Uh, Victor Antonio did a LinkedIn review and he said he loved chapter 12 and chapter 13. And chapter 12 is the one I share with my reps. Chapter 12 is, it's all about the recap email. Cause you know, you can have a conversation that's an hour long. The recap email says, okay, this is what I heard you said were your key issues. Just recap, bing, bing, bing. These are your next steps, ABC. These are my next steps, one, two, three. Did I miss anything? Send. So they distilled that one hour into very clear, bite-sized content so we can move the process forward, which is a lot less overwhelming than me trying to go, oh my gosh, that was an hour of information overload. Where'd I go from here? So those are the two reactions I went to was discovery and recap email. Am I right? Am I, am I barking up the wrong tree? Am I, what have I forgotten? Yeah, you, tell me. you are right. Completely right. And the other piece, this should belong in every discovery. It's not just about what do you value and why. It's about what are you considering? What do you already know? What do you still need to know? How can I be a resource to you to help you put these pieces together? So this is, we used to call it consultative selling. We would have the yep. conversations about the competitor and our and competitors products, not to bash them, 
but to be the resource who helps the customer filter that information. Well, that we never called it by that name, but that was sense-making, and we've kind of lost it along the way. But it's, um, it's a matter of, of pausing long enough to let the customer reflect on what they do know, what they don't know, what they need to know, and, and to give them that opportunity to ask us questions and to show that we can help them figure out all those pieces. We're not going to give them a response that's the blah, 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 information dump, right? We're going to keep it narrow and, and really listen closely to what they're asking so that the answer we give is just that, not our next opening to pile on all the things that we want them to know. So there's a, a measure of empathy and putting yourself in the customer's shoes that, that would give you that opening, that ability to more uh, easily do that. Okay. So as I listened to you, you, you said, you make a bite size. That was the word you used. And we're just, we're going to listen. I heard you say that too. Okay. Reps, how many of you, I mean, I'm not judging you because I'm guilty of this. Ask my wife. She'll tell you how many of you are guilty of not truly actively listening. Or if you're listening, you're listening for that pause so you can jump in and keep on doing information overload, right? You're not even really hearing what they're saying. You just know what you want to say next. You hear Deb said, no, no, you got to actively listen. You got you to parcel it out, which is patience. How many of you suck at being patient? And by the way, it's a human frailty. No, again, no judgment. But I always talk about being self-aware. If you know you suck at that, you need to practice that because the Deb's point, people just want to make sense. And you're going to, you want to avoid the information overload, the infobesity. I love that term. But here's what I was thinking when you said that. I have been on many a discovery call and my prospect is a verbal thinker. So they need to go on and on and on and on and on as they kind of get their head around what they're really trying to get at. So in some regards, they've overloaded me with information. And if I cut them off at any point in time, I never get to the end of that process, which is really where they're finally going to end up. And, you know, what they said that started that diatribe, it was just them processing, hearing themselves say it. But, you know, two minutes later, three minutes later, when they finally finish their, their dialogue, then they get to their point. So we have buyers who are verbal thinkers and we need to be patient and listen and wait to the end point and take just those salient points. That's half my question for you, Deb, which is, is there, am I right? Am I wrong? Second point though, is I see too many sales reps. I have visuals in my head of the people on my team, the sales reps on my team who are verbal processors and they need to do the exact same thing. Except what they don't realize is that when they're doing verbal, verbal thinking out loud, the prospect doesn't know their verbal thinking and they're just taking it all in and they're going, where's, where are we going on this little meandering journey? And Oh my gosh, I don't know. Where do I go with this information? What do I take away? So two part question, how do I manage myself if I'm a verbal thinker to overcome that? And B, how do I know if my prospect is a verbal thinker and I need to wait until the end? Hmm. Okay. So let's take the, the prospect is a verbal thinker first. We're just a talker. Sometimes people aren't even thinking. They're just talking. Either way, <laughs> either way, what you want to do as a discipline to make sure that you're not checking out and, and letting your mind wander, because you certainly think faster than, than they talk, even if they're fast talking. Uh, the way that you manage that is that you 
adopt a discipline that I call listening for what's different. See, what we usually do is we listen for what's familiar, for what's actionable, that's when we pounce, for what sounds like a green light. We listen for the things we want to hear and that, are, and that we're comfortable with. But if we go into conversations with buyers or with anyone focused on, I'm going to listen for what's different, it makes your brain, it, it literally trains your brain not to go down those, those other paths. Listening for what's different includes when they you know, have a hesitance or when they start talking fast and you can tell they're really excited about something, right? It's how they're saying it, not just what they're saying that's different. And you will pick up, I mean, this is part of emotional intelligence. You will pick up so much more and you will be so much better connected with that person as you do this kind of listening. All right, well, what if this is you? What if you're either just a verbal thinker, Daryl's nice term, or you're just a talker? Uh, and I get it, right? Some of us do. We, we, that's how we connect. It's how we present. Um, if that's the case, try to discipline yourself to do headlines. Okay, give me a moment. I want to do some processing and make sure I get everything correct. Let's talk about feature A. Okay, now you've, you've disciplined yourself. You can now talk because you said the point of what you're doing. The buyer knows where you're going. It doesn't feel like some random cascade of information they don't know what to do with. And if you can at all, take some breaths, right? Give yourself a, a time limit. Okay, I'm going to say five sentences. I'm going to talk for 20 seconds, right? Whatever you think you can manage without it looking ridiculous. To pause and say at least what you're saying in this conversation very well. Did I get that right? Well, let me hear your reaction. What have I missed? The, the check-ins, that's two-way dialogue instead of a fire hose of sometimes meaningless information going at people. So it's okay to be either one, the, the seller or the buyer who has that habit, but either side of it that you can do better communicating if you think about inserting these little disciplines. I'm gonna share something that I do, folks. And I'm not saying you need to do it. This works for me. And I, I, I guess I didn't, re, I didn't connect it to information overload um, until we just had this conversation today. But I know I do it and I know I'm intentional about it. And I know it's because when we have conversations, a lot of information gets shared. You may have noticed this in my podcasts. I do this in my webinars. I do this in a lot of my phone calls. I am, I am fairly frequently repeating key themes, recapping. So if my buyer, my prospect is verbal talking or giving a long dialogue and I will recap, say, okay, so what I heard you say was A, B, and C. You talked about a lot, but A, B, and C were the most important. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, great. So then I'll give my answer and then I'll say, okay, now to repeat, even though I give you all this information, you said A, B, and C, and I said X, Y, and Z in response to A, B, and C. That's in the essence, A, X, B, Y, C, Z. Are we in alignment on that? Yes. So even in my podcast interviews, I'll often come back near the end, especially and say, remember, this is how we started. These were the issues. This is the solution. This is what you do next. Again, the recap email. I'm always constantly recapping because it creates clarity and actionable takeaways or insights or next steps. I do that because I can be a verbal thinker. 
And it's the only way I, I've learned to ensure that the person I'm in conversation with heard what I heard and agrees on the takeaways. And that doesn't always work, but it works better than never doing it at all. That's what I do. Have you, have you seen in your studies with the universities and whatnot, um, any kind of tips and tricks to, to make sense, to be a sense maker? Well, you're talking about one of them, which is connect the dots. Connecting the dots is a form, a subset, if you will, of sense making. It helps people make sense and to see connections between disparate pieces of information left to their own devices. Even if it were really obvious to you and you didn't do that, left to their own devices, the average person won't know that X was supposed to be about A. Right? They just thought it was you doing sales work. You've, you've got to put the pieces together and put this in manageable chunks, connect those dots in ways that are very clearly connected. Otherwise, it's too easy to default to, well, what's the price? What's the, what's the price? Or how fast can they do it? Or some other cheap replacement criteria that isn't so much about value. Because it, when you're expressing value, the value gets through because it makes sense. And that's our job. And in selling, our job is to make sure the value that's in, inherent in our product or in our solution is clear to the, the client. And then we're creating value, too, because we're this resource. We're, we're sense-making. We're helping them to, to pull those pieces together in ways that they didn't quite get to on their own. There's a number of takeaways here as I start to recap. Normally, I'm taking notes. And this time I've not been taking notes because I've been so engrossed in the conversation. So sales tactic number one, make sure you take good notes. And if not, go back to the recording. Hopefully you recorded it and then take the notes. Uh, take, do that before sending your recap email, by the way. In fact, one of the techniques I've seen done well is where they'll say, we talked about issue A, B, and C. And then they'll give me little clips from the recording, you know, 30 seconds, 45 seconds to play it back. So, and what's really powerful about that total sidebar, but this, you know, while we're here is usually they'll CC, you know, the economic decision maker or, you know, somebody else in the buying committee that wasn't involved in those meetings. So now they can just listen to recording one, two, and three, and then in five minutes have the highlights of what you just talked about for an hour. So. Total sidebar, that's a really cool thing to do to make sure the whole buying committee is involved on the, on the key salient points. But if I heard you right, we need to be aware that there's a lot of information overload going on, infobesity. And all we want, we want, we want to be sense makers. To do that, we do not pile on information. Rather, what we do is we do a constant, how do I put this? We hit the headlines. We do proper discovery. We listen for what's different. And then we take note of that. We practice our own patience. We make sure we have clarity, what we want to say, we accept that we cannot say everything that we want to say, but if discovery is done proper, then that gives us the focus we need to only speak to. Because if you do your job right, that meeting leads to a second meeting, leads to a third meeting where you can then get deeper and deeper. You don't need to hit a home run on the first meeting. A single is fine. Um, and then the power of the recap is really, really powerful. I mean, I, I know I've missed a lot, but I do know that 
we do suffer from information overload. I had no idea it was 10,000 plus messages every single day. And you can see why with that much, I, am, I sound like a broken record, that much information overload that each of us incur, each of us, that we're just looking for the highlights. You know, what's the highlights? What's my next step? Make this, dumb this down, make this easy for me. If you're a rep who doesn't know your product or your services very well, your natural tendency is to throw everything against the wall. A, that's bad selling. B, that communication style, it just lends to the problem and will not work, will not work for you. Some of the simplest things you can do, believe it or not, is actually use scripts. Scripts, they don't need to be verbatim scripts, say this, like a robot. Scripts are often just reminders, talking points that you want to drill down on. The second thing is you want to be a very good note taker so that you can discern the key takeaways from that call. So that on the next call, we haven't even talked about this. On the next call, you say, I just want to spend five minutes recapping what our last call, you know, brought to light. You said ABC. Again, it's your recap email. This is your action item. This is my action item. Did I miss anything? That's where we're at. We're in alignment. Great. Let's carry on from there. Because chances are, if they've gotten 10,000 messages a day, and it's been a week since you've talked, that's 70,000 messages, plus just their daily routine, they have largely forgotten the nuances and the subtleties and the importance of the key conversations you already had. So framing the conversation is a great way to focus the conversation. I rattled on too long. How did I do though? What did I miss, Deb? You, you got most of them. Empathy is a big part of it. So as you're listening you're, and you're doing that listening for what's different, that's where your empathy kicks in. Break it down into yep. manageable chunks, one idea at a time. And remember that you've heard this a million times in selling, right? Your features are meaningless unless somebody can understand why it matters to them. So sense-making, you start with them and uh, put all the pieces together, connect those dots. And one of the things that Deb made here was she made the reference of this is consultative selling, which is, you know, something that's been going on for decades and decades, but we forget that. And the reality is part of this conversation is you're educating them too, right? I'll give an example, simple example, if this makes any sense. I will have many sales leaders talk to me here at Vanillasoft and I'll say to them, listen, your reps, they, they, need to, they need to physically action every touch. There's an email, a phone call, an SMS. It comes up on the screen. They need to do something with it. Phone call, they push a button, you know, dial to click. Now, now click, the, yeah, click the dial, whatever. Hit a button, drop a voicemail. Email, up comes a template. You personalize it. So on an SMS up, it comes to template. You personalize it, click a button. And the reaction I get over and over again is, wait a minute. My reps have to click a button on the SMSs and on the emails. Like I don't have time. I don't want my reps doing that. That's stupid. The whole point of the sales engagement is to go at velocity and, and go fast and lots of activity. And if they're doing that, then they're not selling. That's, that's, that's like, that's, they're just operators at that point in time. I want them selling. I don't want them touching emails or SMSs. And I'm like, really? So you don't want them personalizing everyone to make sure each email, each conversation is relevant, contextual, impactful, personal, so that you have a high conversion rate. Instead, you want to spam them. Not everybody likes when I say that. 
that's okay. That sparks a conversation. And if that's not what they're looking for, then they're gone. They're not a fit for my product. That's okay too. Part of the conversation is to disqualify them as much as it is to qualify them. And it's also an agenda to make sure they understand consultative selling. But now that you've got these key points, off you can go and you can hammer it over and over again. Anyway, I'm, I am wandering now, Deb. I'm sorry. I want to share that little story. But it, it is consultative. It is educational. It is that back and forth. It is highlights. It is empathy. It is listening for what's different. It is being intentional. Uh, we could go on. Deb, what's the, where's the, what's the best way for these folks to get to know you better? Oh, find me on LinkedIn or come over to my website, peoplefirstps.com. Come over to the Leadership Academy, peoplefirstpotential.com. Email me. We can talk in person, whatever, whatever fits your style. Well, I would love to follow up and have more conversation. Go by Discover Questions. If you heard some stuff here about questions and wish you were doing more and better with those, that's, um, that's a, a handy little resource. So, yeah, let's do get acquainted somehow, though. Let's do get acquainted. You've been given permission, folks. Deb Calvert, she's one of my top three favorite people in this industry. She's real. She's genuine. She's smart as hell. Check her out. I love her. I think she's great. I hope you do too. In the meantime, if you love last week's session and you like this week's session, we're doing it again next week. My favorite who's who of the people you need to know better. Hope you enjoyed this show. Share it with your team. I bet you it will spark some good conversations. In the meantime, tone back that information overload. Take the headphones out. Look around you. It's a change of the seasons. Leaves are changing color. It's a dynamite time of the year. My name is Daryl, and this, my friends, is the Inside Inside Sales Show.